This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do the Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome back to Do the Work. I want you to know how grateful I am to those of you who listen and share this podcast. I wish each of you could sit with me and whomever whomever I've invited into the studio to be on the podcast. It's such a unique experience to sit with someone and talk about things that really matter and to just be full of love for them and their willingness to share their wisdom and insights and to be vulnerable around their own experiences. The fact that you are listening and sharing helps me see that you're feeling some of that too. Thank you. I am solo today and looking forward to sharing some tools and insights that can be helpful in our relationships. It was 2015 and my then husband and I had one child left at home and we just moved to another city about 20 minutes away from the area that we'd lived in for over 17 years. We hadn't been there for even two months when it felt like an earthquake had gone through the middle of my marriage and our family. My husband moved out, and shortly after that, he started seeing a local therapist named Jody Hildebrandt. She taught classes, did individual and couples therapy, and had men's and women's groups. I joined one of her women's groups and participated there for about a year. I took her courses. I also attended couples therapy with my husband. Jody taught principles like honesty, humility, responsibility. She helped individuals see where they were lying to themselves and also to recognize unhealthy family dynamics that were keeping people from connecting. All things that you'd find in any therapeutic experience. She was one of the most validating people I'd ever met. There was only one problem. Well, there were many problems, but a big problem was that she often served these principles, how my friend describes it, on a knife. She would talk of compassion, but there were so many instances where compassion was nowhere to be found. As time went on, my husband and I began to see behavior that was troubling to us. We didn't like the way she treated others. In many ways, she was not consistent with what she taught and how she lived, and we chose to leave her services. Recently, the whole world has come to know the shocking truth uh, that underneath her therapy and well-manicured business were terrible secrets— past and current behavior that is unacceptable, unlawful, terribly disturbing. I bring her up for a couple of reasons. One, because I've spent the last several weeks working through my own thoughts and talking and feeling with individuals who've been very affected and hurt by her. And two, because one of the things that was most disturbing to me as an individual and as a coach was her idea to, quote, cut people out of your life that do not live in truth. End quote. Here's the truth. Most of the individuals who went to see Jody as a therapist were at a place in their life that they felt desperate for help. Something was not going well in their lives, and she was what seemed to be a sturdy professional who knew how to help individuals walk out of addiction and other behaviors that are destructive to themselves and their families. If you watch the news or social media lately, you will likely see people saying that Jody blew up their marriage or their family. I'm sure that may be the case for some of her clients, but the majority of her clients that I'm aware of had blown up their own lives or had someone they love blow it up. 
before they ever met Jody. And with the pain that they, that they and their loved ones were in and their desperate need for help, her belief that cutting individuals out of your life if they don't, quote, live in truth, became a destructive nightmare and was very disturbing to watch and did affect many families. I hope that Jody receives clear consequences for her choices, and I also hope that she receives all the help that she's needed for years. What you're not hearing on the news or social media are all of the individuals who learned how to make choices and changes in their lives so that they have a much more connected relationship with themselves, those they love, and with God. I know more couples and families that have been able to heal the wounds and pain they walked in than those who haven't. I don't give Jody the credit for this. I give the individuals who chose to heal and change destructive behaviors the credit. Jody didn't make up the principles that would help someone heal and change. You can find them in any addiction recovery program or in any Brene Brown book or John Gottman or John Eldridge or many, many, many more respected therapists, professionals, and deep thinkers. You can learn about shame resilience from many sources and also the behaviors and practices that will help you move out of pain. And yes, to even let go of distorted thoughts. Again, she didn't make that up either. For many who know her, it's so convoluted and confusing to understand what happened with her, and there are many things that I'm not addressing here. But sadly, what I often saw or heard her teach individuals was how to put up walls instead of how to build a bridge. Walls destroy relationships. Bridges can be a catalyst to mend relationships and help us lean in and grow closer to those we love and care about. As you've heard me say many times, relationships are what matter most, and learning how to communicate honestly, hold your own boundaries and honor others' boundaries, give and take space when needed, learn to love, really love another human being, and grow individually and relationally, all of this requires learning how to build bridges, not put up walls. Bridges come from our heart. They are evidence that people are human and will make mistakes. They facilitate further progression on our journey. They connect us with others. Bridges are based on foundational truths. Number one, your worth is fixed. I'm going to say that so often in these podcasts. You can't change your worth for the good or bad. You came with it. This is so important for bridge building because if we don't understand this, then instead of being available to connect with others, we'll defend and protect, and we won't even know that that is what we're doing. Number two, humans make mistakes, period. We're going to make mistakes, and so are people that we love. If we're going to build bridges, we have to accept this. Number three, connection is critical. Our emotional and physical health is dependent on this. As you listen to this podcast, will you think today about what relationships in your life could benefit from a bridge instead of a wall? A few summers ago, I had a family in my neighborhood invite me and a few other neighbors to join them in one of my favorite places on earth, Lake Powell. One of my friends and and neighbor is a beautiful artist, and I'm often in awe of what she's created. One morning on the houseboat, she asked me if I'd like to try it out. I immediately told her, no, I am not an artist. She asked if I was willing to try, 
And because I was on a boat in the middle of the lake and I just couldn't find any quick excuses not to, I agreed to try. Just the idea of it felt uncomfortable. I think I've mentioned before, I I gave my brother an art class once for Christmas. He and I would take three art classes together and I was crying by the second class <laughs> in inside of the class. So my neighbor inviting me to draw something just was like, oh, I did not want to do it. I knew I wasn't good at this. She sat me down with a blank piece of paper and then another paper that was mostly covered by a blue sheet of paper. And she sat that right next to my blank piece of paper. She instructed me to just copy the lines that I could see. And she just left a tiny piece of the paper where I could see a few lines. That felt easy. They were simple lines. No faces or flowers or animals, just a few lines. Then she pulled that blue sheet of paper up just a little and exposed a few more lines. And she encouraged me to copy those lines. I did it. She continued to move the blue sheet of paper up and I continued to copy the lines on my paper. Before I knew it, in literally in about 20 minutes or so, I could see that I had drawn a man sitting in a chair. It was far from perfect, but it was definitely a man in a chair. What? I was amazed. She then uncovered the paper with the lines that I'd been copying fully and exposed a poor a portrait of Igor Stravinsky that Picasso had painted. I cannot tell you how thrilled I was. My drawing wasn't exactly like Picasso's, but I literally copied a painting by Picasso. I'd done something I never thought I could do. I told her before that I can mess up stick figures, and yet here was my Igor Stravinsky. So often I hear from individuals something very similar about their relationships or their emotional abilities as I had about my artistic abilities. I can't do this. This is just the way it is. It can't change. I can't change. Honestly, it is true that it takes two people to save a marriage or a relationship, but it is not true that you can't change. I do understand that learning to change is hard and requires a lot of work. To build a bridge or a wall requires effort. We get to choose where we put the effort. A wall shuts others out of our lives. It stops progression. It doesn't allow for mistakes, and it keeps people from really knowing and connecting with us. Because you may have never considered walls or bridges in your relationships, here are a few ways to recognize where you may have a wall instead of a bridge. Is there someone you avoid talking to? Who is it? Or who are they? (laughs) There might be many more than one. With whom are you most judgmental? Who are you not honest with? Who do you give power to? Who are you easily bugged by? You know, if you walk around town or the country, the world, you'll see different sorts of walls. They can look different. But inside of emotional walls, some of the things that you might see is someone, um, when they're hurt or frustrated or scared, going silent. I have a client that will go for days without speaking to her husband. That's better than yelling at him, right? No. No, it's not. Silence is just as destructive as yelling. 
It's a defense mechanism and a way to control that she likely learned when she was young, and she thinks she's protecting her heart. What she's doing is destroying trust in this relationship, and one of the biggest casualties is going silent. In, one of the biggest casualties of going silent is the stories in your head just get bigger and louder and more destructive. Another way that you might see a wall is angry. Not anger, but acting out in your anger. Angry is very similar to silence. Just sounds different. I had a client when I suggested the way he was treating his wife was not congruent with the promises he'd made when he was married. Got on, he, he slid to the end of his seat, my couch in my office, and started yelling at me. You know nothing. Who are you to tell me that I'm not treating her right? Now, remember, this is a man who was paying me to help him better connect with his wife. I knew that he had likely learned how to protect himself with anger when he was young. And that didn't make it easier to hold myself steady in that moment. Sadly, angry is so disconnecting, and others will build walls around them to protect themselves from anyone who uses it. So the person who uses angry builds a wall, and it often is a catalyst for others building walls around them as well. Avoidance is a wall. Do you disappear? Do you not respond to texts? Do you say to people that you love when something has come inside of your relationship that needs addressed that you don't feel like talking about it right now, but you never get back to it? Are you so busy you can hardly take time to think or talk? This is avoidance. When we avoid addressing real issues, we avoid connection and creating safety inside of our relationships. Resentments build walls. Resentments are giving someone or something power as opposed to empowering yourself. Gossiping, projecting, blaming, numbing are all walls. Be looking in the future for more in-depth podcasts on many of these subjects. Why would someone put up a wall if they're so damaging to ourselves and our relationships? We put up walls to protect ourselves. Walls come from past pain. They're an effort to avoid more pain. If I put a tall enough, deep enough, barbed wire enough wall around my heart, then, quote, you can't hurt me, whoever you is in your life. No one can hurt me. Sometimes these walls are easy to see in others and ourselves. And the ironic thing about putting a wall up when no one can hurt me you become lonely and isolated and so sad behind that wall, but no one's going to hurt you. And the truth is, you hurt you when you put up that wall. Sometimes they're easy to see in others and ourselves. We're prickly, we're rude, we're silent, we isolate. However, sometimes they're very difficult to see, but you can feel them. Have you ever walked through a spider web? that you didn't see, you know it's there, but you didn't see it before you ran into it. Someone who's unwilling to share real emotions has learned to build walls. Someone who says, I don't need other people in my life, has put up walls. Someone who's so busy that they have no time for friends or family or service has built walls. Addictions are natural walls. Stopping these behaviors will take a committed effort to change. And I have a suggestion. 
don't turn this off. (laughs) Here's my suggestion. Are you willing to ask the people you love if you do any of these behaviors? It might sound like this. I listened to a podcast today and she was talking about walls and bridges. I'm wondering if I have walls that I'm not aware of. Do I gossip, avoid, numb, project, and then on and on the other things that I just shared? Hopefully, he or she will take your question and lovingly, honestly answer you. We can't change what we can't see. This question and response would help build a bridge. So often, we don't even recognize that we've built walls. We just think it's our personality. It will be uncomfortable to ask, but it's so worth it. There's pain on either side, but one of the pains help us move to a better space. Pain is not bad. It's just uncomfortable. But so are your jeans that are almost too small, and you deal with that. Cutting up raw meat is uncomfortable. Exercise is uncomfortable. Getting up in the morning can be uncomfortable, but you choose it. Physical therapy after a surgery or injury is painful and uncomfortable, but hopefully you'll do that. Emotional work is no different. It doesn't just happen. It often requires discomfort. Jeff Stewart said, quote, we suffer more by trying not to feel things instead of allowing ourselves to embrace all truth, end quote. If we want to build bridges in our relationships, it requires us to feel and be willing to address the reality of our relationship. Bridges are needed to cover space. They don't just pop up. They're built one piece at a time to facilitate progression, line upon line. Bridges have a foundation and guardrails. Have you ever seen those bridges that go from one side of a canyon to another? Can you imagine walking across them without some kind of guardrail, something to hold on to? Guardrails help steady us on the bridge. Guardrails create safety, especially a feeling of safety. Boundaries are beautiful guardrails. Our boundaries are just a definition of us and are not dependent on someone else. We live in a world of boundaries. If you walk into an airport, you'll run up against all kinds of boundaries. Where you can and can't go, what you can and can't take with you, where you can and can't sit. Healthy humans don't fight against those boundaries. They realize that those boundaries keep them safe. A grocery store has boundaries. A classroom has boundaries. A church house or temple has boundaries. A front door, a gate, a carpet line in our home can all be boundaries. The behavior therapist on Instagram said, and I actually really like the stuff that he puts out, some people think they have really good boundaries. However, what they're really good at is detaching. Detaching is a wounded response. It's not being clear about what your needs and feelings are. So how do we know where we need a boundary? How can we know when to put on the guardrails? A good question might be, Where's the contention or frustration in my relationship? Where do you say no when you mean yes and yes when you mean no? Where are you being dishonest with yourself and others? Where are you trying to control another person's feelings and perceptions? Where are you avoiding honest conversations? These are all places where we would need a boundary. So let's take one of those questions and get curious. Why am I trying to control my child or my husband or my friend? 
Let me share an example. My youngest son, Ross, had a student body officer um, come to him. I believe it was early in his junior year and asked him if the school raised a certain amount of money to help a young girl with cancer, would he shave his head? And he said he would. So they raised the money. And I have no idea why, but they asked me to come to the school, probably because they could get sued if someone else did. Now that I'm saying this out loud, they asked me to come and shave his head. My children have beautiful hair and lots of it. They get that from their dad's side of the family, I'm pretty sure. I knew that Ross liked his hair. He got lots of comments about it. That evening, when he got home from school, I could tell he was a little more quiet. I asked him what was up, and he shared that a girl that he cared about had made a comment about his hair, like, how fast, how long do you think it's going to take for that to grow back, or some something that was like that. She made fun of how I look. He said, what? I went right into control. Ross, you look the same. What is wrong with her? You have a great head. And this, and this was for a great cause. I wanted to protect Ross. I was bugged at this girl. Why would she say this? Ross had been through some painful experiences, and I really did not want him to feel more pain. And he just kind of listened. He didn't say much when I said that. I went outside to do some yard work, and I was stewing. I was uncomfortable, and I knew that if I was stewing and uncomfortable, something was going on inside of me. I probably needed a boundary, so I asked myself, what's bugging me? I knew it. I wanted to control Ross's feelings. I didn't want him to feel pain, as I said earlier, and as soon as I realized that I was trying to control something that I actually have no control over, I knew I had work to do. I'd made a boundary for myself earlier because I recognized that I was very controlling in that way, wanting to control how people felt or saw or responded to different experiences. I made a boundary that I would not try to control my children. Now, to be clear, I don't plan to have this mastered in this lifetime. I just don't think I'll ever like be completely done with that. I told myself the truth. The facts. Ross chose to shave his head. He's hurt by his friend's comments. Ross is capable of working through this pain. I want him to be able to work through painful experiences. I don't need to rescue him. I love him so much. I'm here if he needs me. So I went back to Ross and I told him I wanted to try again. I asked him how it felt. He didn't share much, but I hoped he would know that I was there if he wanted to share. My boundary to not try to control my children's feelings helped me move out of pain and be available to actually connect with him if that's what he wanted. When I try to control, I disconnect from myself and from him or anyone else. When I let go of control, I am building a bridge. The foundation of a bridge requires empathy and compassion. Brene Brown said, empathy without boundaries is not empathy. And compassion without boundaries is not compassion. One of the fastest ways to dysregulate your nervous system is to have compassion and empathy without boundaries. I just love that because we live in a culture where just be nice, just make sure nobody feels sad or mad or uncomfortable. And that's actually not nice. It's boundaryless. Both of these attributes are housed inside of charity. You can be a champion at being honest, humble, or responsible. 
or at doing all the nice things for people. But if you don't have charity, then it's just good for you. Hurrah for you. You were honest. You were humble. You were responsible. Charity is God's love. It's not something we give. It's something we have been given. And then we're different because we have it. Charity is generous. It's loving. It's honest. It's responsible. It's forgiving. It's empathic and humble. It has lots of space for human. It's compassionate and so many more things. When your bridge's foundation is charity, you can expect big changes. So how do we have empathy and compassion inside of charity? It requires us to be curious instead of declarative or defensive. I was working with a couple. It was a second marriage for both of them. And his wife came to him um, at a time when they weren't in my office and said, you know, if my children weren't my children, I don't think I'd want them to be my friends. They're just mean sometimes. Her husband, thinking that he was all in, said, I know, they are brats. And sometimes I feel anxious just even knowing that they're coming over. Guess how that went over? Like a lead balloon. She was hurt, and I could see her immediately close up. He was truly stumped. He was standing with her, agreeing with her. So what went wrong? Here's a really good tool in bridge building. Think of it this way. I will sit with you before I stand with you. Sitting with her would have sounded like this. Wow. That's a strong statement. I know you love your kids. Tell me what's going on. Have they hurt you? When? How? Can you see it? He's sitting with her, and when someone experiences another human being with them in their pain, something happens. They both become stronger and more capable of dealing with whatever is in front of them. They can Then they can stand together to create boundaries or rules in their home that keep everybody safe. Another crucial part of charity and the foundation of any bridge is trust. Trust is at the core of every connected relationship. Trust is built through honesty. This is a tricky one. People don't like to hear that they're dishonest. They like to call it kind or careful or trying not to hurt someone's feelings. But in truth, when we're dishonest in any way, we disconnect from God, ourselves, and others. I know, I know, more than one of you sitting in your car thinking, so when my daughter asks me if she looks good in this outfit, do I just tell her no? Or if grandma asks if you like her sweet potatoes, do I tell her no? It would crush her. I'm not suggesting in any way that you be unkind, rude, or dismissive. I am suggesting that you lean into the relationship instead of looking away. It might sound like this. Thanks for asking my opinion. I love you, and I don't love that outfit on you. Or, I can answer your question, but your opinion is what matters most. Do you like how you look in that outfit? Or, let's take the sweet potatoes. Grandma, I know you love your sweet potatoes, and I love you, but I don't like these sweet potatoes. Trust that your daughter and your grandma can work through whatever emotions they feel about what you said. We learn how to be dishonest when we're young, and we're usually taught by our parents or those we love the most because we watch these interactions. We watch the people that we love be dishonest, and then we think that's what love looks like. 
Or a child falls down and skins his knee. Instead of asking how he feels and if he's okay, we'll often say, you're okay, you're fine, get up, you're good. Or when our child isn't invited to a neighbor's birthday party, instead of getting curious and wondering how that feels, we'll say, oh, don't be so dramatic. Sometimes you don't invite others to your birthday party. When grandma or grandpa or even a perfect stranger wants to hug or kiss your little baby or your child, well, babies are probably different, but a child that can have an opinion, you put your hand on their back and you say, go, go, go do this in an effort to make the adult feel good. Instead of looking in, looking your child in the eyes and asking them if they would like to give someone a kiss or a hug. When you're building a bridge, it is absolutely critical that there's honesty in your experiences. And again, for most of us, we learned young how to be dishonest. So here's how it might sound in an adult relationship. I've heard so many times, I have to walk on eggshells around this person. And what honesty would sound like would be, I choose to walk on eggshells around you because I'm afraid of your responses. Often, we value comfort over maturity. We value comfort over real connection. We value comfort over honesty in an effort to be nice. But the ironic thing is, no one's really comfortable in the relationship. As I've heard from my friend Liz say so many times, if your nice includes dishonesty, it's not nice. There are obviously so many materials that we would need to build a bridge, and that will come on future podcasts. But I have an acronym for you to be thoughtful this week as you go throughout your week. It's bridge. The word is bridge. B. Be brave and vulnerable. There are no guarantees in relationships. You can't guard yourself from any possible pain that could come. So be brave. Be vulnerable. Let the person that you love see you. R. I'm 100% responsible for my own thoughts, my own feelings, and my own behavior. Be responsible. I. Intent. Ask myself and be willing to ask others before we tell ourselves a story of why someone did what they did. Get curious. Ask their intent. What was your motive for saying that? Or I'm going to check my motive before I say that. I was writing an email to someone that I care about the other day that I we had had a it was quite a discussion. I was, I was at a family reunion and one of our, one of the questions we were playing a game, one of the questions turned into a, a bigger discussion. And I don't like how I showed up in that conversation. And yet I was a little hurt and bothered as well by some of the things that were said. Um, and I knew I wanted to apologize, but I didn't know what for. And so I was writing this email and I just kept back going back like, nope, what's my intent for saying that? What's my intent for saying that? Because the motive of the email was to say, I'm sorry. But my natural human self wanted to like justify some of my behaviors and, and I just kept backing it up. What's my intent? What's my motive? I wanted to build a bridge with this person. 
I did not want any part of a wall. D, develop empathy. If you have a hard time when someone is hurting, it doesn't matter if you think, what? Like you're hurting over that? It doesn't matter. Develop empathy. Feel with them. It is a huge part of bridge building. G, ask the question. Help me understand. Get curious. So G, get curious. Help me understand. Get curious with the people that you love. And E, be emotionally honest. And if you don't know what emotional honesty is, start studying it. Ask someone that you know that can help you understand what emotional honesty is. We are truly 100% responsible for ourselves, but we will not be 100% perfect at this. Bridges don't require perfection. Just the desire to build a bridge is a beautiful first step. As I think of the different experiences in my life where I've seen walls that are built and bridges that are built, there's something really beautiful at seeing the difference between those two things in a, in a relationship. I want to be really clear as well. Abuse of any kind. Relationships where you have tried over and over again to build a bridge and the other person refuses to help build that bridge. I am not at all suggesting that you should engage in that relationship. I am suggesting that you get to the place inside of you where you can love that person, but I'm not suggesting that you ever have any interaction with them until something changes in that way. But just the desire to build a bridge can create safety inside of a relationship that matters most to you. Bridges are beautiful. Next time you see one, stop. Just just walk on it. Go out of your way to walk on a bridge, especially if it's over water in any form. Walk over it. Notice the water. Stand on one side. Notice the water flowing toward you. And ask yourself, what can I let into me that would help me build a bridge or feel more peace in my life in this relationship? And then turn to the other side of the bridge and watch the water flow away from you and ask yourself, what can I let go of? What am I holding on to that is keeping me from connecting with this person that I love and care about so much? I have confidence in you. I believe that little tiny steps consistently can help us find peace and joy in our life. Thank you to everyone at 98 Studios for helping to make this podcast great. And I want to give a special thanks to every person in my life where they could have put up walls, but they chose to build a bridge. I am very human. I've made and will make many mistakes. I'm so thankful for bridge building family and friends, neighbors, and community. You'll have many choices in your day and in your week. I hope you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience, or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire, and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences. 
just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.